Thank you for that welcome. Thank you for the welcome and welcome to you in all of our centres as you join us for uh, part two of this series on hope. And uh, today we're sort of joining the dots between the resurrection of Jesus, which we focused on in the last session, and then today our resurrection, the hope that we have um, in the future. And just to set this up, I thought I'd tell you a little story about a recent adventure that I went on. It was actually a, quite a misty, murky day, but I decided to go for a little walk in the, in the mountains, in the Brecon Beacons. And um, as I drove there, the clouds were, were low and it was very overcast. And I must admit, I thought, oh, what's the point of this? You know, it's going to be a walk in the mist. Um, and halfway up this mountain, I sat down pretty discouraged and was thinking about alternative routes. Maybe I should just give up and go back a different way. So pretty discouraged, and all of a sudden, um, I heard a noise, and someone was coming down out of the mist from higher up the mountain, and when he reached me, he could obviously see I was a bit discouraged, and he looked at me, and he said, oh, keep going, he said, it's absolutely beautiful up there, and I thought he was being sarcastic, I thought, what does he mean, but as it turned out, my head, as I carried on up, popped out of the clouds, and here you can see the photo that I took um, up on top of the mountain, isn't that quite, quite beautiful? And uh, I thought of this moment, I mean, as I basked in the sunshine on the top of this mountain when everyone else was working away down in the mist and the rain, I thought about this as a beautiful picture of hope. And the hope that we have as Christians, it, it speaks into our lives today. You may be facing some challenges and some discouragements and some pain and suffering in your life. Our Christian hope says, like that guy, keep going. It's absolutely going to be beautiful up there. Amen? The risen Jesus the resurrected Jesus appearing to those early disciples is like that message to us today. Keep going. He is the embodiment of our hope, as we're going to see. And so because Jesus Christ is risen, the game has changed for us as human beings. And we're going to invest some hope back into our lives. Because how many of us know hope is a powerful driving force? When that guy said that to me, even though I was still in the mist... I suddenly had a new energy. I practically ran up the rest of the mountain to get into that sunshine. I want to put fresh energy into our souls today by celebrating the hope we have in Jesus Christ. So here's the headline for this message. Uh, let me sum it up this way. Here's the headline. Because Jesus is risen, life is not a hopeless end, but an endless hope. Amen? Because he is risen, life is not a hopeless end, but an endless hope. We're going to unpack this by looking at some more verses in this amazing chapter of the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the most brilliant extended discussion of the future hope that we have through the risen Jesus. I encourage you to read the whole thing in your own time. I'm going to pull out selected verses today. And we're going to carry on by looking at three headings. Firstly, the basis of our hope. Secondly, the body of our hope. And then finally, the beef of our hope. Strange title, but we'll get there in the end. All right. So firstly... The basis of our hope, Christ is risen. The basis of our hope is that we believe that a real human being, Jesus of Nazareth, 
really did die on a Roman cross, was buried, and in Jerusalem, rose again three days later. It reminds me of the story of a a married couple. They'd been married together for 50 years. It hadn't been the happiest marriage, frankly, and this is made up, so go with it. Um, And uh, they they decided to go for their honeymoon to, uh, sorry, their honeymoon, to celebrate their 50th anniversary to Jerusalem. And sadly, whilst there, the man died. And um, so the the wife went to the undertakers to make the arrangements. And the undertaker said, well, you can either have him buried here in Jerusalem. That'll only cost £100. Or you're going to have to have him flown back to the UK. That'll cost £5,000. What do you want to do? She didn't even think about it. She said, I'll definitely have him flown back. And the undertaker's filling in the paperwork. And he says, you know, out of interest, you could have had him buried in Jerusalem for £100. Why are you paying so much to have him flown back to the UK? And she said, well, I heard about a guy who died and was buried in Jerusalem. And three days later, he came back to life again. (laughs) And I'm not taking any chances. (laughs) I think that's made up. But what what is not made up is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Physically, he died. And physically, he rose again. In fact, Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians 15 about over 500 witnesses to this resurrection. And it's not just an idea or an inspiration. It's not just a nice thought or an illusion or a vision. He physically was back. Not just back to this life. This was not resuscitation. He's beyond death into new creation. This is resurrection hope, right? And yet it's so physical. Jesus says to the disciples who try to think, well, maybe he's a ghost as he appears on one occasion. They're trying to explain it another way. And he says, no, touch me and see. Ghosts do not have, here's the phrase, ghosts do not have flesh and bones as you see I have. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a kind of hope that is flesh and bones. (laughs) On the one hand, he's physical. And on the other hand, he's completely unrecognizable. I mean, it's him. They realize it's him, but it's him like they've never seen him before. So could you hold those two thoughts in mind? They are central to this message. The hope, the resurrection of Jesus is physical flesh and bones, and yet someone that is the same person and yet so unrecognizable, it's like you've never known them before. Those two things are the bedrock of our hope, or as I've put it in this title, the basis of our hope, that Christ is risen. Now, this is our hope, and we could go into the evidence for this, but Simon did a great job last week of unpacking some of that, and I want to focus less today on the evidence and much more on the relevance. Why does this matter? You see, you might believe in the fact of the resurrection of Jesus, but sort of shrug your shoulders and move on as if it has no relevance to you. Well, to, to build the case for the relevance, we have to understand something about ourselves, okay? To build a case for the relevance, we need to understand ourselves. And I'm going to break this gently to you. But in verse 22 of 1 Corinthians 15, this is how Paul puts it. In Adam, Paul says, in Adam, all die. I'm trying to break this gently to you, but you are dying, right? Right now, you are living, but you are also dying. We have a terminal condition as a human race. That's not just a diagnosis for certain people. That's a diagnosis for all people. In Adam, all of us are dying, right? You've got to understand that condition to understand the relevance of the resurrection. We try and hide from this. We live in a culture that has no answer to death, so we just don't speak of it. We eat health foods, we join a gym, we write a bucket list, we use euphemisms like kicking the bucket to avoid talking about it, and then we sing along with Robbie Williams, I hope I'm old before I die, right? But actually, it's the ultimate statistic. One in one people will die. 
There's no exceptions to that. And you're not an exception to that, right? You're going to die. <laughs> I think I've made that point. As one rather unpopular undertaker used to sign his letters, yours eventually. <laughs> now, because that is our condition, can you begin to understand why it's profoundly relevant to hear of a human being in Jerusalem who died and broke the power of death and rose again? I mean, does, not, does that not sound a bit interesting to your dying ears? <laughs> that there's one who broke death, who broke the statistic, who rose again to bring in new creation hope for humanity. Now that's sounding a bit more relevant, wouldn't you agree? I mean, um, I think of the other day, there was a few weeks back actually, there was a, a knock at the door and it was a guy from pest control offering his services. And I just, I mean, I, I couldn't get rid of him quickly enough. Please go away. I don't 100% record. I don't care about your record. Trying to leave me his business card. I'll use that to light a fire. Thanks. I go away. But then a few nights later, I heard that sort of scratching when I was trying to get to sleep at night, you know, in the loft. And, and when you hear the scratching in the loft, whatever that may or may not have been, you become profoundly interested in the pest control man that you thought was irrelevant, right? Where is that business card from the guy who can have a 100% record of sorting this kind of problem out? Well, listen, dying human beings, let's try and find the business card from the guy who broke the power of death and offers 100% everyone. Yeah. <clears throat> The resurrection of Jesus is profoundly relevant. And here's how Paul captures it in that little phrase, in Adam all die, is embedded within a much more beautiful paragraph where we read this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. See, there you have it, problem and solution. We're all dying in Christ. All of us can have victory over death. And so that's the resurrection of Jesus, the basis of our hope. The risen Jesus, the resurrection, is not some one-off occasion where, I mean, don't imagine it like watching on the TV some Olympic pole vaulter perform an extraordinary achievement and you think, well, I could never experience that. No, no, the whole point of the resurrection of Jesus is not that it's exceptional, but that for us, it's going to become the normal. <laughs> that what he did, here's how Paul puts it, he says it's the first fruits. So it's the first apple on the tree that says there's now going to be hundreds of these. Well, the resurrection of Jesus behind us is the first resurrection in history that promises there's now going to be millions of these. We are going to experience what he experienced in his resurrection victory over death. That is then the basis of our resurrection, that Christ is risen. The risen Jesus is like that guy coming down from the clouds and saying to us dying human beings, keep going, it's going to be absolutely beautiful where we're going. So that's the basis of our hope, but then we need to get into the body of our hope, that we ourselves will be resurrected and begin to glimpse into our hope a bit more detail, what will it actually be like for us as Christians raised beyond death? Now, actually, um, not just for us as Christians, culture is still interested in this kind of topic. If you go on Netflix, there's a number of series at the moment on the afterlife. One of them is entitled The Afterlife by Ricky Gervais. I wouldn't particularly recommend that one, but there's another one called The Good Place. Anyone else watching The Good Place at the moment? It's like an imaginary uh, playing out of what happens to people who go to the good place and the bad place after death. People are speculating on Netflix about what might happen, but how do we know? <laughs> I mean, what evidence do we have to explain what will be for a human being beyond death? Because, of course, those who die, 
don't seem to have any connection. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no signal, mobile phone signal, beyond death to report back, right? I did hear, actually, of one exception to this. There was a Scottish couple, again, probably not a true story, but a Scottish couple who uh, were celebrating their 30th wedding anniversary. They decided to go back to the hotel they'd stayed at uh, for their honeymoon in Spain, but because of business, she had to come on a bit later, so he went on ahead, and she was arriving the next day. So when he got there, he decided to send her an email to say he'd safely arrived, but he slightly typed in her email address wrongly, and unfortunately, it went to somebody else, a woman, a widow, who was just returning home from her husband's funeral, who happened to be a vicar. She decided to check her emails, and she shrieked and fainted and fell on the floor. And her son came in and read the email that she'd opened on her screen, which had the subject, Darling, I've arrived. <laughs> and uh, this is the email that she read. I know you'll be surprised to hear from me, but they have computers here now, and you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. <laughs> I've just arrived and been checked in, and everything's prepared for your arrival tomorrow. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine. <laughs> P.S. Bring some shorts. It's boiling hot down here. <laughs> All right. Netflix aside and jokes aside, what can, we, <laughs> what can we seriously say about the resurrection that we will experience beyond death? Well, because of 1 Corinthians 15, we have something quite serious and detailed to say because based on what happened to Jesus, given that he's the basis of our hope, we can extrapolate out from that to say this is what will happen for us. And 1 Corinthians 15 unpacks it. The first thing it does is gives us a very basic timetable. Now, I know that some of you are organizers and planners, and you like to know what's happening. So in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23, Paul gives a very basic timetable. He says this, each, speaking of the resurrection, each happens in turn. Christ is the first resurrection. Then, when he returns, those who belong to him will be resurrected. So notice the sequencing here. There are two stages to our hope. On the one hand, there's the resurrection of Christ that lies behind us. And on the other hand, there's the return of Christ that lies ahead of us. And our hope is given two stages by these world-shaping events. So I've, we've put together a little animation that might prove helpful here. So on the slides, you can see that, firstly, our hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus. Christ has been raised. That's already happened. And because he's risen... That transitions to what I'm calling our halfway hope. Now, when a believer dies, their body lies in the ground and rests, but their soul rises to be with Christ in heaven, which is our halfway hope. But it's not the ultimate hope, right? No, no, no. When Christ returns, notice Paul says this, there's going to be a moment when Jesus returns and the glorious Son of God will appear, and in that moment, the dead and the living who've put their faith in Jesus will be given a new body, a resurrection, flesh and bones body, and they will reign on the new creation earth with Jesus Christ. That is our ultimate hope. So when you pull back and see the whole thing, you can see that our hope has these two stages to it. On the one hand, there's a halfway hope. When a believer dies now, their soul is with Christ in heaven. But that's not the ultimate hope. As one uh, theologian, Tom Wright, puts it, heaven's great, but it's not the end of the world. 
Heaven's great, but it's not the end of the world. And he's absolutely right. Our ultimate hope is not to be wafting around in the clouds in heaven, but to have our resurrected feet firmly placed on the new creation earth, where once again, paradise that's been lost will be completely regained through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, remember what I said, right? What was true of Jesus? Well, he was resurrected into a very material, physical body, flesh and bones. That's our future, amen? But he was also completely different, transformed, almost unrecognizable to those who knew him very well. That's also our future. It's not just more of the same. It's physical, it's material, but it's utterly glorious and mysteriously brilliant beyond what we can imagine. Now here's some phrases from 1 Corinthians 15 that are delicate and intricate to try and capture what this means for us. Paul, drawing on the resurrection of Jesus, then says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 42, This is how it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It's sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised, notice this phrase, a spiritual body. So there you have it. It's a body, that's what we're going to have, but it's so animated by the life force of the glory of the Holy Spirit that it will be a spiritual body, something we know nothing about really now. When we experience that, we'll realize we had no idea what ultimate human existence could be like. I mean, think of the risen Jesus having passed through death, not come back to our reality, but moved on to new creation reality. He then operates in our world in a very different way. Have you noticed this in the resurrection accounts? He passes through the grave clothes. They they lie deflated, not as if he undid them, but he rose through them. And then he enters through a locked door. Do you notice that? He passes through realities that stop us, but they don't stop him. I think, in fact, the only reason the gravestone was rolled away was not because he needed to get out, but that so that we could get in to realize he got out. <laughs> it wasn't a limitation on him. It was for an evidence for us that he's risen, right? Now, my point is, and here's, this is very important, don't think that because he passes through clothes and walls, he's in some way less real than us. That's often the way around we go. It's completely the wrong way around. It's not that he's less real. It's that he's so much more real than our reality. The reason I can pass through mist or walk through water is because I'm more solid and real than it is. The risen Jesus is more real than this world. And so he can walk through doors. <laughs> he, he's ultimate, his ultimate human reality. We are mere phantom beings in comparison. C.S. Lewis captures this beautifully. He depicts one of us entering into this physical new creation world, but still as we currently exist. And he says that one of us, he says, we tried to pluck a daisy. We reached down to pluck a daisy, and we couldn't even twist it to pluck it. (laughs) We tried to lift a leaf, and he says, and I think I might just have slightly moved it, but I had no hope of lifting it. It's so much more real and weighty and glorious than we are. He says, I looked down at my feet, and the grass wasn't just coming between my toes, it was coming up through my feet. I realized I'm the phantom. I'm the ghost in this world. This is the real thing. Now, that's our hope. That's the resurrection of Jesus. It offers the hope to us human beings of a world much more glorious, much more real and certain than this one. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that real world. 
There's enough suffering and pain and dying in this world. Aren't you looking forward to a world where those things will be no more? And we will have a new body. Aren't some of you looking forward to a new body? From where I'm standing, it looks like some of you should be looking forward. No, I said, <coughs> the lights are bright. I can't see. That's a joke. But I'm looking forward to a new body, right? I've been wearing glasses or contact lenses, I think, since I was eight years of age. This isn't just an age thing. All of our bodies are pathetic compared to what's coming. What does Paul say? They're sown in weakness. They'll be raised in power. They're sown corruptible. They're going to be incorruptible. We're all in something so incredibly fragile compared to the glory that lies ahead. Now, therefore, Paul says we're going to need to be changed. I mean, we couldn't possibly enter this new real world in the state we're in. Look at the state of you. <laughs> that would never work. So Paul says, behold, he says. In, uh, then he goes on, behold, I tell you a mystery. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The word he uses for change is metamorphosis, from which we get the idea of the caterpillar crawling along a leaf, and then suddenly the reality of the butterfly, and you think, how on earth could that also become that? It's actually the same thing in its essence or entity, but utterly metamorphosed. And so we are the caterpillar right now. But the resurrection offers the hope of a whole new glorious way of existing in this world. And that's our ultimate hope. Now notice Paul says, behold, I tell you a mystery. There's a certain paradox there. It's mysterious and yet we can say something about it. And I realize there's a point at which we say, well, beyond this, I don't know the answer to all the questions I'm sure that are sparking in your mind. Will we still eat and sleep and need the bathroom in the new creation? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Jesus ate fish in his resurrected body, so I think we'll eat and dance and hug and rejoice and sing. I think all those will be realities. Will we work and play sports? I think there'll definitely be rugby in the new creation, don't you agree? I mean, without the sin bin, obviously, but there'll definitely be... Football will be no more. Um, the, the, the old order of things has passed away, but... <laughs> will my dog be in the new creation? That's a question that comes for many of us. We've just very recently had our dog put down, and I know that's so... I'm, not, I'm speaking as a... I love dogs. I mean, cats will definitely not be in the new creation, but... <laughs> I love dogs. Uh, will my dog be? I mean, these kinds of questions that our children ask us, aren't they? And, I, and it's, they're, they're not easy to answer. I'm not saying we've got all of the answers. Personally, I think there will be dogs and cats and animals in the new creation. I don't actually think my particular dog will be there, if, that, if you can see the difference. I think there's a category of dog or cat. I mean, the, uh, Isaiah speaks of the lion and the lamb lying down together, of the child playing with the cobra. Don't try that at home just yet. But... <laughs> But the reality is there's the idea of animals and nature and glory, but I'm not sure particular pets from this life make it. And the reason I say that is because it's not just that human beings will be in the new creation. You particular human beings can be there. But the reason for that is because Christ became a human being. And God put eternity in the hearts of men and women, and he raised that hope in the resurrection of Jesus. That's not true for any other creatures on the planet, right? Now, I don't know for certain what that means about your dog or cat. I wouldn't want to be dogmatic about that. I was thinking about that. But I do know, whilst I'm not sure if your dog can make it, I know that you can make it if you will put your faith in the risen Jesus. Now, all of that to say, we've got questions, right? Will I recognize, will, will we recognize each other? Well, again, according to the resurrection of Jesus, I think we will. And yet in this way that we'll say, gosh, I mean, look, like when you look at someone's school photos, <laughs> is that really you? Well, I think we will look, I mean... It, is that really? Sheila? Really? That's extraordinary. Look at Sheila. 
Dave? <laughs> that's, that's amazing. And we, so we will be utterly taken aback because the caterpillars have become butterflies. Amen? Will it be these very, this actual body? I mean, will, it, will these bones and these molecules? Well, I, I don't think we need to get too hung up about that because obviously when someone dies, their body rots and some people die in a way that destroys, even at the point of death, destroys their very being. But actually, that's not the point. It's you that will have the new body. It's, the, it's that you will embody a resurrection body. After all, these molecules are changing all the time anyway. We, change our, we shed our skin and change. Our, every seven years, we get a new kit. You realize that, don't you? Every seven years, our bodies are a new body, effectively. So I'm not the same body I was seven years ago anyway. In terms of the molecules, it's me that matters. It's you that matters. You will be embodying a glorious resurrection body just like Jesus Christ. What a hope we have through the risen Jesus. Amen? So can I encourage you, if you're in great physical shape right now, do not get proud about that. Right? Don't look in... I mean, so many people spend a lot of time looking in the mirror at gyms and thinking they're really something. You couldn't even lift a leaf in the real world. All right? So don't be impressed with yourself if you're in great shape. But equally, if you're not in great shape, maybe your best days you think are behind you. Listen, if you're a Christian, your best days lie ahead of you. Right? Don't look back with nostalgia. Look forwards with hope. We, we, we are, if you are in pain right now, take hope in this message. One day there will be no more pain. No more suffering or death. That's the old order. We're heading to a new creation. This is how Tom Wright puts it. I love this idea of the, we're a shadow of our future self. We, people speak, oh, so-and-so is a shadow of their former self. No, no, if you're a Christian, you're a shadow of your future self. Here how he, here's how he sums it up. If Paul is right, speaking about 1 Corinthians 15, a Christian in the present life is a mere shadow of his or her future self, the self they will be when the body which God has waiting in his heavenly storeroom is brought out, already made to measure, and put on forever. What a hope we have, or as that guy said coming down from the clouds, keep going, it's going to be absolutely beautiful up there. Now this is the body of our hope, the basis of our hope. I want to just finish with the beef of our hope, and I'll be brief on the beef. But here's the thing, I know that's a strange title, but it goes back to an essay that I once had marked by my tutor, and he marked my essay, and he made an interesting comment. He said, it's, um, it's a good argument, Ollerton, they use his surname, good argument, Ollerton, he said, but what's the beef of the argument? And what he meant was this, you can say very sound things that are true, but why does it matter? What difference does it make? What's the beef of it, right? Does all of this teaching actually matter in the way we live our lives tomorrow in the real world? Well, absolutely it does. The resurrection hope that we have plays out in every detail of our current lives. Here's how um, a wonderful Christian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who one of the last orders Hitler gave was to have this man executed for his opposition to the Nazis. His hope in Jesus inspired his boldness. And Bonhoeffer says this regarding the resurrection hope that we have. The difference between the Christian hope of resurrection and a mythological hope is that the Christian hope sends a man back to his life on earth in a wholly new way. I want this hope we've been unpacking today to send us back to our lives here on earth with wholly new perspective. Amen? Well, here's three very brief ways that that might be the case. Firstly, we live patiently. Because of this resurrection hope, we live patiently. You know, if, if this life is all that there is, 
then you can't afford to live patiently. You've got to get everything you can for yourself now because this is it. And that puts an enormous pressure on human beings in this life. Doesn't that sound a lot like our culture right now? It's a grab it and get it kind of culture that's impatient because there is no hope beyond this life. People are plagued by what psychologists call the fear of missing out. Desperately trying to travel the world and have amazing sex and great relationships and a brilliant career and have all the success and fame now because this is it. As, as one of the verses in 1 Corinthians 15 puts it, if, this is, if you have no resurrection hope, you eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. The resurrection of Jesus says this is not it. It's not over when this life finishes. You don't have to get everything here and now. Lift off that pressure for a moment, right? And, and some of us can't get everything now. How can you travel the world if you have certain conditions? Or how can you have amazing relationships if they're broken? These things aren't the realities that we live with. But the resurrection of Jesus says, beyond this life, we have a hope and you do not need to suffer from the fear of missing out. If you put your faith in Jesus, you will never miss out on the ultimate hope that God has for a believer. <clears throat> I can't sum this up any better than a lady called uh, Joni Erickson. She um, dived into Chesapeake Bay, aged 18, and it was shallower than she thought. She broke her spine and became a quadriplegic. No feeling from the shoulders down, aged 18. The best years of her life robbed, but she's a Christian. She's got the hope of resurrection. And she says these words that really sum up this message. She says this, I with shriveled, bent fingers atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down, I will one day have a new body, light, bright, and clothed in glory, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope this gives someone, spinal cord injured like me, or someone who has cerebral palsy or multiple sclerosis? Imagine the hope this gives to those with mental health problems and depression. No other religion, no other philosophy, Promises new bodies, hearts, and minds. Only in the gospel of Christ do hurting people find such incredible hope. Amen. So whatever your challenges, live patiently. Secondly, as Christ is risen with the hope of resurrection, we die peacefully. We live patiently. We die peacefully. Paul, at the end of this teaching, begins to sound like a football fan on the terraces, right? You know that experience, your team's behind and the other fans are singing at you, and then something happens to turn the, the result around. Your team score a quick couple of goals, and suddenly you're singing. You're not singing anymore, is what you're singing, right? And that's what Paul does. He, he, death would taunt us if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus. But now the result has turned. He's given us the victory. So Paul starts taunting death. Listen to his song. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? And where, O oh, death, is your sting? Notice then the hope and the confidence that we have in Jesus. One day, unless he returns beforehand, if you're a believer in Christ, you will still die. But it's not death as it used to be. Because Christ has wrestled that serpent of death in his crucifixion and he's ripped out his poison and fangs in his resurrection and so death has lost its sting. Amen? So you can travel towards death not fearing it but confident in the face of it that death ultimately because Christ is risen it's not a hopeless end but it offers an endless hope. Death has been reduced 
In fact, in the passage here, Paul talks about those who sleep in Christ. Now notice the language of sleep. It's the Christian hope speaking here. If you see someone asleep, you think two things. Firstly, they're peaceful. And secondly, they'll wake up in the morning. And what is Paul saying when he speaks of Christians falling asleep? He's saying, firstly, if they've believed in Christ, they're at peace with the Lord now in heaven. And secondly, they will be awake in the morning. There will be a resurrection morning when the dead will rise and the living will be reunited and we will reign in the new creation. And so that means we grieve with hope when we lose our loved ones and we die with peace when our turn comes. We can look death in the face and we can sing no guilt in life and no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. I encourage you to get this hope in your soul because what I said earlier hasn't changed. We are still dying, but we have a hope beyond death that nothing can take away. And one of the best things we'll do for our family and our world when our turn comes is to die well. To die with a bold hope in Jesus Christ is a victory in this life and for eternity. Amen? So we live patiently, we die peacefully and boldly, singing songs to the end. I mean, I love that song that we sing uh, that I think Matt Redmond wrote. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending. 10,000 years and then forevermore. Amen? So we live patiently, we die peacefully, and finally we invest purposefully. If there is no resurrection, ultimately this life is meaningless. I mean, we can find things to do in the meantime, but one day this entire universe will atrophy and run out of batteries, it will collapse in on itself, and the memory of human beings will be erased forever. If there's no resurrection, we have no ultimate future. In fact, we're like, I mean, our family the other week, we, we made some sandcastles on the beach and then had a competition to see which could survive the longest as the tide came in, right? Now, it's great fun, and I think my sandcastle was an impressive entry to the competition. But when the tide came in, it was erased without a trace. If there's no resurrection, all our achievements in this life will be erased without a trace. They're meaningless. But if there is a resurrection, if it changes everything. Everything matters. Every human being is of infinite, eternal importance. If there is a resurrection, we are not on the Titanic because Christ is risen. Amen? And so our efforts are all worth it. Here's how Paul puts it in verse 58. Therefore, he says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because your labor is never in vain. I urge us off the back of this message, if it does anything else for you, I urge it to do this. Let's not build sandcastles in this life, just acquiring more stuff for ourselves. Let's invest in the kingdom of God that will last forever. Let's serve the broken and minister to the hopeless and the sick and the poor and the dying because everything matters because Christ is risen. We invest with purpose. What was the headline? Because Jesus is risen. Life is not a hopeless end, but an endless hope. Or as the guy said coming down from the clouds to me, keep going. It's going to be absolutely beautiful up there. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.